Nerdcast, a podcast offering discussions and tutorials on nerdy subjects for people who aren't necessarily nerdy themselves. With you today, myself, is your nerdy tutor, George, and with me here today as well, the Viking Mayhem Mama, my mom. The Viking, I like that, Viking uh, Mayhem Mama. Yes, well, you get to get your fabulous bike gear back very I get soon. Bet, yeah, I get Betsy back, because I have, I have several. All right, so, I we are going to do an experiment. Ooh. This is an experiment I've actually wanted to do for a while, and I think this would be a great time to, to have an experiment. I, I love experiments. Okay, so. I like science. Um, so, in a lot of, so, thankfully, this is going to be in regards to, we talked a little bit about this. We were talking about Harry Potter, how the translation from book to movie was, you know, can be fraught in the sense that there's a lot, you know, you might take a book that's eight hours long and condense it down to a two-hour movie that can be somewhat unwieldy because there's a lot of stuff that happens in that book and you have to kind of decide what's the most important things to keep, what's the stuff that is really important to kind of keep because it's character-building stuff, and then how do you change stuff around to accommodate for whatever you do need to keep that's faithful to the original adaptation. So, oh, well, and, and yeah, and interestingly enough, last weekend there was a Harry Potter marathon, which we watched a little bit of. Oh, I watched all of it between the two days. I watched every single movie, um, and because um, because I'm knitting Christmas presents right now, but um, I, I began noticing after our last podcast. Um, began noticing all the discrepancies. Mm -hmm. They reorganized things. Oh, yeah. A couple of times. Well, again, I mean, keep in mind, in a book, it doesn't really matter when things are organized at, but in a movie, yeah. you've got two, two and a half hours there. You're not, you know, you gotta, it's gotta be the most tightly packed, well choreographed two and a half hours that you can get because that's gotta be what it is. Well, looking back on it, I wish I wish they had split um, the Goblet of Fire into, into two movies like they split the the uh, last yeah well again there's a lot of stuff in goblet fire that just gets completely left to the sidelines yep you know and it's real it's a real <clears> shame <throat> because there's a lot of interesting character building stuff inside there and a lot of characters that again well minor pop up later on and so it's like oh yeah. well, i miss some of this yeah so yeah but thankfully we're not watching one movie here this week okay we're gonna be watching we're gonna be reading watching some anime and then watching an anime movie Ooh, so, okay. Um, and so do so again, like I was saying before, that there's a lot of media out there that starts in a literary form and then moves over to uh, an animated form here in a lot of cases. This is exceptionally true in Japanese animation, where a majority of their long-running franchises are actually just comics that have been going on for years. Um, one of the longest anime at this point here with, nearly, with over almost... Over, ooh, getting close to 800 some odd episodes now is a show called One Piece, which is oddly about anime pirates. <laughs> the manga's been, the manga's been going on for practically ever, and the anime keeps going on, you know, every single day since like 2000. So they're pirating anime. Well, no, no, it's a pirate anime. Okay, so it's an anime about pirates. Yes. So, so are we talking? Are we talking uh, uh, pirates of the Caribbean type pirates? Um, no, we're talking like goofy superpower pirates. Like Ooh. the main, the, the lead captain is literally his name is Luffy D. Mon Luffy D. Monkey, um, and his body is made of rubber. 
So he's bouncy. Well, not only is he bouncy, he can like throw his fist back and then it bounces forward and springs forward. It's kind of like the mask. Kind of like the mask, yeah. Cool. His uh, his uh, first mate is a pirate. is a is a samurai. <laughs> okay. That wields three swords all at once. One in each hand and one in his mouth. Okay. Yeah, and, and now keep in mind, the entire cast of characters is a little bizarre, but the entire series is very bizarre. One Piece is one of those things I don't recommend people get into. And addicting I, and it, or, or... It's not that it's addicting, it's just the world is beautifully well created. The anime has lots of filler in it, so there tends to be a problem where it catches up to the manga too quickly, and so... You know, you might end up spending a year waiting for it to start up again, only for it to go through like 30, 40 episodes and then stop again. Um, and by, by filler, you mean a lot of background or a lot of detail, or well, I mean, like, or story filler, story filler. So, story like, filler. so imagine if you will, like, let's say, for example, Harry Potter, <clears throat> you know, was a TV series and they'd caught it up with all the books already. So, instead of going into like the fourth or fifth school year. You spent the summer with Harry. Oh. And you spent the entire summer with Harry and occasional magic shenanigans for 10, 20, 30 episodes. And then you finally got back to go to school again for the next, like, 20-some-odd episodes. So there's only so much you can do with uh, him giving his uh, his uh, cousin a pig A pig's tail or just, like, or only so much punishment you can watch <clears throat> Harry get into and not, you know, be, you know, saddened by that in a couple of cases here. Stuff like that. In, a, in the anime terms, you know, we get to filler plots and there are side stories that are technically happening in the middle of everything else, but because they're side stories, they don't necessarily have any sort of agency to them at all outside of maybe some character growth and or learning some more stuff about a character, which I think is the best way to do it. Like, rather than actually focus on the main characters or other characters like that, you can focus on side characters, especially if you have a series that has lots of characters like One Piece... Naruto and Bleach were also very big things in that. More recent uh, big shonen series like uh, Boku My Hero Academia, or Boku No Hero Academia, however you want to call it, um, what they do is that they'll run for an arc, which is usually about 26 some odd episodes, and then take the next two, and then take the next like two quarters off, and then come back maybe two or three quarters later, or the next. Or a year later with more of the story in there. So the story is never at a point where, like, you run out of story, you can end it at a nice place, but not have to worry, rely on filler, because a lot of the time what will happen here... So end at a cliffhanger. Or you can do it on a cliffhanger, too. Absolutely. So, in, so that way you're not, like, stuck in this sort of position where your episode, you know, you have a 26-episode, you know, runtime... But you only need 20 of those episodes to actually tell the story. story. And then you have these six last episodes are just like, well, what do we do for the last six episodes? We need to fill three hours of TV time, maybe, in theory. Have a high school dance. And the beach episodes are, 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 are a common element of the shows to find filler elements in. So beach episodes are not uncommon. So what are beach episodes? They're just hanging on an island? They just go to the beach. And do beachy things. It's a chance for the people to wear swimsuits. Oh, okay. Are we live action? Well, this is both <laughs> either live action and in a lot of cases more anime. Okay. So again, I'm, there's I'm just, there's, just, there's 
there's just, al- there's always at least an episode or a chapter in which like they either go to the pool or they go to the beach. And typically it's a big deal because at some point here everyone's wearing swimsuits. Much the same way if you have a high school at some point there you have to do the episode on the school festival, which is a big mainstay of Japanese culture. Well, if you're if you're on bachelor bachelorette, you have to have the hot tub with the swimsuits. Well, you have to have the hot tub and the swimsuits or you got to do some sort of uh or you got to do some sort of or it, it's the oh we're going away you know it's everyone's a big surprise we're heading off to the Yucatans ah! yeah. yeah so there's oh wait now, now okay so if we're really piratey you would have the Yucatan yes okay you could I mean so their world's a little bit more fantastic um, in nature I like the Yucatan though you get all sorts of mind stuff that's true yeah there's actually there's actually a there's actually an anime that came out here not too long ago. Uh, that was actually fairly heavy, heavily mind-themed, actually. It was actually kind of cool. That actually would be cool, because you've got Shababa, you've got the brothers rescuing their father's head and replacing it with a cassava when it's... Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a... It's a, it's my a dark, lore is, is... pretty dark and interesting, actually. Yeah. They, 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 we, you have the swimmers that swim down to... Yeah. No, okay. it's the underworld. Mm-hmm. We've been to Shababa. We have. Yes. So the story that we're actually going to watch this week, thankfully because it's available on Netflix, it was easy to get. The other one I really wanted to get is not all available on Netflix, and I can't find a decent version of it to get to get to everybody. Um, we're going to do Full Metal Alchemist. I've heard stories. So uh, what I originally wanted to do is I wanted to do Death Note because I love Death Note. Death Note is amazing. Well, we, we, and we read some. some... We, we, we watched. You watched the first two episodes of Death Note, which is usually how I tell people. Watch these two episodes of this anime. This is what anime can be. And this is the power of the beauty of what anime has the possibility to be. And Death Note's kind of dark. <laughs> oh, keep in mind, Death Note's really dark, but... Um, Just say. So so what I want to do as an experiment here, and would have been really great with Death Note, because um, they have two movies that came out for, for Death Note in Japanese, and they had another English version that came out here uh, within a couple of years ago, that's not highly well regarded, but um, but both of them have very de- you know very different, wildly in some cases from the original source material. So it'd be interesting to kind of see what is a recontextualized Japanese version versus a recontextualized American version. So that so if, did it, we ruin it? Huh? Did we ruin it? No, no, we still have the opportunity to because again, there's a lot of because again, I mean like. Just rewatching the first two episodes alone and then watching the movies, there's a lot in there because the movies don't... The the American movie kind of starts out very similar but then changes drastically. The Japanese movie, when it came out in 2006, is wildly different from the original from the original source material. Why? But not All the same themes and elements are there. It's just that the way the story is told is a little bit different because they're, they realize that like for the Death Note story itself, you couldn't condense it down to a movie... So why don't we tell another story that's very, very similar to the original, to the original, but not at the, but still has all the same contextual meanings and themes and stuff like that. So sort of like pinching a record. Yeah, I guess, I guess that's kind of the idea here. Okay. It, it's um. Yeah. I, I get it. Okay. Okay. So, but Full Metal Alchemist, all of its translation, all of its incarnations are relatively accurate to the original so it'll be kind of interesting to see like so it's kind of like going in and drinking a coke versus a pepsi versus like a like a sam's club 
you know, sort of thing. Like a house brand. Yeah, like a house brand sort of thing. And then the wildly weird Japanese version. <laughs> okay. So, so like, so I think this will be kind of interesting. So let's start off with who created Full Metal Alchemist. Okay. So Full Metal Alchemist is actually created by a woman named uh, Hiromi, or Hiro, Hiro, Hiromu, Hiromu Arakawa. So otherwise, Hiromu Arakawa. H I R O M U. Hiromu. Hiromu Arakawa. Arakawa. Yeah. Got it. Going back to my Japanese lessons to speak to you know read yeah. the names here. Um, she's actually a pretty interesting character in and of herself. So, um, born in 1973, she grew up on a dairy farm in Hokkaido. Oh wow! And she actually went to an agriculture high school to learn how to how to work on a farm and everything. And ended up doing anime. Um, well, again, like she used to, she grew up on a dairy farm. So again, like as you do, you go to a school that's primarily yeah. focused for yeah. no, what you would you would potentially do. Um, and she loved manga as a child, though. She, I mean, like she collected manga whatever she could. Um, and again, she even after graduating from high school, um, she continued to work on her farm with her, her parents' farm for the next like seven some odd years, actually. Um, and it wasn't until she was about 25 years old that she decided she's going to move to J- move to Tokyo and follow her dream of becoming a manga artist or a mangaka. Um, and she actually had a little bit of success. She started off with a series called uh, with a short series called Stray Dog. It won an award from a magazine that eventually um, hired her to be an assistant for another manga manga artist, which is typically what you do. Um, you get started by being an assistant, and then you eventually um, while you were an assistant, you work on your own series to eventually get to become your own Magnica um, eventually. Um, so it did fairly well um, as a short little series here. Um, and then she just hit it completely out of the park with her next series, which is titled, and I'm going to butcher this initially because it's kind of hard to say, but Hagane no Rinkin Jitsu no Si. I believe you. Okay, yeah. See, it's hard, hard, hard to pronounce. Or as we, as it's more popularly written as Full Metal Alchemist. Yes. So, okay. Which began in which began published in, in July of two thousand one, and ended in June of two thousand ten. Ran for nearly nine, nine years. years. That's a lot of because they're coming out what every Wednesday. Well, and so in this case here, this is actually a monthly series. Oh, okay. So as a monthly series, you have to produce about. Uh, 35 to 40 pages, sometimes 45 pages every month. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. That's a page a day. Yeah, it's still, it's still well, at least two, sometimes two pages a day here. Yeah. Um, but what the benefit of sometimes a monthly series tends to be is that um, because you're expected to work more, more lengthier time on it, you tend to have a lot more series that are much more beautiful looking and much more, um, you know, all much, far more detailed than other weekly shonen stuff because a lot of shonen stuff is, you know, you do you literally doing like five to six pages a day going you know five to six pages a day, one day to um, think about the story and then maybe a day off here around the corner maybe but you're literally working on maybe six to seven pages a day over the course of the week assuming you don't have whatever other side projects or other stuff you're doing there too well and this is where i am aided in my understanding Mm -hmm. by having gone to the manga museum which has um a room that is just um 
explanations of different portions of the production of manga. Yes. And they actually go into, and they show you uh, examples of weekly versus monthly. Mm-hmm. And they actually have in four different languages, three or four different languages, um, the French, English, Japanese. I think in Spanish as well. Yeah, maybe, in or... Spanish. Yeah, and um, and had a lengthy, nice, well-written explanations oh, of yeah. exactly what you just described. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my, 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 my alternative to this as well, if you ever want to learn about how manga is created, um, is to actually read a manga called uh, Bakuman. Because oh. it's literally the story of two guys, which is very similar to the actual creators of that manga. Because it's um, you've got a story guy and you've got a you got a, a story guy and you got an, an art, art guy. guy. And um, they, I only know that because we went to the manga museum, mm-hmm. uh, which is not often the case. Sometimes the story the story guy and the artist guy are the exact same guy in yeah. most cases. It's yeah. it's uncommon to be to split the work up in a lot of cases, but the split up work tends to be stories that are a lot more. Uh, well developed. Yeah. But Bakuman actually tells the story of two high school kids as they make manga. And eventually, as high school students get their mangas published in the most popular uh, shonen magazine ever, and then eventually, as they become, they grow in popularity to become the best selling mangaka artist in their magazine and hopefully the world. And they go through all the, the, all the, the, all the tragedies of like, hey, here's a schedule and Here's how you do this and this, and here's how you get better at this slowly so you can do other projects and try to start doing other things, and God forbid you work on two series at once, this kind of stuff. Um, so if you ever wanted to get like a real quick deep dive on how manga is created, that's the that's the thing to read. Very good. Because it's very interesting in that particular respect. Um, also, what's interesting about that series is that, again, those are the same guys, the same guys who made Bakuman, they're also the same people that made Death Note. So not, so not only is the story really well developed and designed, um, but the characters all have this super sort of like posh look to them as well because they have like, because um, one of the guys loves fashion and so he's constantly, you know, changing up the way the characters look as far as clothing goes. In a lot of anime, you tend to find characters that wear the exact same thing every single day. Um, they always have like the set look that they always look like versus... Uh, Bakuman, you know, like this guy is wearing, you know, hey, this guy's wearing a nice suit and a thin tie, or this guy's wearing like different colored, you know, a different t-shirt and shorts or something. Because they're all these stories are kind of set in a contemporary sort of setting, um, they all have contemporary fashion to, you know, that also speaks to the age of these characters as well. So. Well, and, and one of the things that was interesting was, you know, I, I tend to think of, before, before we started doing the podcast, I tended to think of, um, manga is all being drawn in the same style and it's not no um you know it, it was only at the again at the museum where you got to see people's artwork lying side by side um that i really realized how many different styles of uh manga art art form what how do you describe that um i mean it's the same way in style i mean like it's i would i would i would wager it kind of the same way how you go to like an art museum you have like varying styles of backgrounds and, you know, historical paintings, you know, your Monet's, your Da Vinci's, and your other people would be wildly different between one to the next as far as, far as how they put together a, a thing here at the end of the day. Um, that's, that's an interesting analogy because because uh, Monet and Da Vinci have very, diff- very different styles. Yeah, and, very different styles. Yeah. I mean, like, because, again, Monet was very much an Impressionist and 
Da Vinci was very much a, you know, renaissance renaissance-y sort of guy, yeah. but very much a realist at the same time. Yeah. Um, so art like that, I found a YouTube channel that, um, a YouTube channel that the guy restores art. Oh, very cool. So it's actually kind of interesting. Um, but no, I'm going to show, I'm going to show you this and uh, see if I can find a good version of the picture here. Hopefully this is... Yeah, so this is what One Piece looks like. It is vastly different from what a lot of very other... Very vivid. It's very vivid. It's it's almost cartoony to a certain point. Yeah. Which is a high contrast to a lot almost of... Almost sort of Dragon Ball Z-ish. Uh, well, again, keep in mind... Um, yeah, very similar to that, too. And keep in mind, Dragon Ball Z set the standard for long-running... Long-running... Long, long-running long shows. Shun. Yeah. And But One Piece in general is also probably... is the has been the undisputed king of anime, uh, of manga, since its, like, induction. It has been, like, either, if it's not number one, then it's usually just number two, or maybe number three for a week, but it's always the the epitome of of the manga at any particular point. So Now, is it a good starting piece of manga? I mean, if you're just getting into it? I mean, or are there other things you, you, you would want to sort of initiate yourself with before you started on this? Um, I actually, when it comes to manga, I don't necessarily think that there has to be like an entry point for manga versus okay. anime. I think anime, I think at the end of the day, like anime actually takes an investment of time because, you know, every episode being anywhere from 22 to 25 minutes of anime, um, yeah. assuming the intros and the bumper, the yeah. credit bumpers that happen in the middle. Um, so that can take a little bit longer to get into. And there's some that are... Um, much more lengthy with manga though manga is you know you could read a chapter in about five minutes so why t you know so if you don't like what you're reading initially you can put it down and find the next and find the next one this is one of those reasons why like I love borders bookstores and Barnes and Nobles um, because you could you would have people who spent their entire afternoon there and all they would do is just they would go to the manga section pick out some volumes of what they wanted to read read it and then put it back so kind of like being in a library, practically. Yeah. Um, because a lot of libraries don't have good manga collections in there. Yeah, no, I, I, well, yeah, I expect. Well, you know, one of the things that, that when I when I first started watching anime um, that I noticed is it's um, paced much differently than Western um, entertainment, for yes. lack of a better word. It's a much slower pace. Mm -hmm. It spends more time in, in maybe some of the more nuanced character development. But if you're used to faster-paced Western, where you have to be constantly moving, mm -hmm. um, it takes it, it. It struck me at first as slow, and I'm kind of like waiting and waiting, and waiting for the next thing to happen. And once I adjusted myself to the idea, no, you're getting the subtlety of the character. Pay attention to the details. There's more here. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed it more, but it took me a, a bit to transition to that. It can feel that way. Um, One Piece in particular as well spent the better part of three years on a single stretch of 36 hours. Wow. Well, okay, we had a show called 24 Hours that, that each episode was... 24. It was basically just one hour of a time, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, so the, there's an arc where that literally spans the better portion of about a day and a half worth of time in the manga, 
Um, but the way it was written, they spent the better part of what seemed like almost three years, 164 chapters in this. And so they were, so he was really taking his time to tell out the story, um, as well. I mean, like in his case, he's got a lot of characters to play with. So it ends up tend to tend to happen with that is that he ends up spending a lot of time on each individual character as they move around the stories in some cases. So that can tend to happen there too. Yeah, so so I guess I guess my 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 observation would be it's more leisurely. Oh yes, very yeah. And and um, it took me a couple of episodes to appreciate that and to recognize it for what it was, as opposed to just being slow. Yeah, I mean, because what you'll have it a lot is when you get to a lot of Western animation, um, I find is that a lot of the episodes are self-contained episodes because the way the nature of broadcast here is in. In America, yeah, is that everything you can, has to stand on its own. Everything has to stand on its own. There has to be a resolution by the end of every episode. So, yep. Um, and so that way you can mix and match the order because you would not expect everybody to watch all the episodes at once. Right. Uh, versus in Japan, they like to divide everything into what they call like arcs. So you would spend like, you know, you would spend like maybe two, three months or half a year on this one arc and then move on to the next major story that came up. But you would have little stories that happened in the arc as well. More like More like a soap opera. Yeah, a little bit more soap opery, but um, but but again, the pace differently. Oh yeah, um, so um, back to Miss Arakawa here. Uh huh. So, what's interesting is so not only does Full Metal Alchemist what or whatever big success stories that I would actually credit it with a lot of introduction of Japanese animation to the Western culture as well, um, because all the characters in Full Metal Alchemist have English names. The lead character is named Ed, the Ed or Edward. Uh, the you know the other main character is named Al or Alphonse. Almost everybody's name is like in an English name, so like. So 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 we're pirates, but we're not even his, Hispanic. Well, Spanish. Well, the, I mean, a lot of the pirates were, were Spanish and English. So that's one piece. And I, so when I talk about Full Metal Alchemist, though, um, so we'll, we'll talk about the story settings in a little bit. But those are two two different series in this. Case. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, that's okay. I'm confusing. Um, so again, like because it's such a Western style and a lot of the world is a Western set world, it's I think that it was very easy for a Western audience to kind of get into it a little bit easier. Um, plus her story tends, plus her stories in, in general, um, Full Metal Alchemist, um, tend to be simple but eventually become much more complex and dark over time, somewhat unintentionally, um, but still have this very lighthearted affair to it as well. So I think it was a really great sense where like, us as a us as a kind of a Western culture like stuff that's dark occasionally, you know, that's a little bit more vivid and um, more Batman. Batman, yeah, a little Batman, I guess. I, I, I'm just saying. Yeah, this is an example. Pretty much Batman. Yeah, um, Batman as opposed to Spider Man. Spider Man is Batman's pretty pretty dark. Spider Man's pretty more lighthearted. Yeah. Yeah. yeah very good. Good. Very good contrast. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, this actually is one of the, it was actually won one of the most prestigious anime award, uh, manga awards as well too. So it's the annual Shokaga Shokakugan manga award, which is only given out to usually like four different titles every year. Hers got tied in two thousand three with another series called Yakitake Japan, um, which is all about making bread. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, no. I, I always love explaining that. Like, yeah, like there's some wildly different anime out there. Well, okay. I recommend Yakitake Japan because that's just weird. Okay, so, 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 I mean, you think about our reality shows. I mean, who would have ever 
a forecast that that uh, shows about baking reality shows competitions about baking would be uh hot tv okay actually kind of what yucky ducky japan is about okay there you go then it's just it's just <laughs> imitating life so uh, the in yucky ducky japan the lead character has hands that are extra warm so he calls them uh, solar hands so they help the yeast and the bread, bread. rise quicker I would like that because I do actually home bake bread. So, um, and his big deal is that um, there's a French bread, there's sourdough, other countries are well known for the bread. He wants to make a Japanese bread, or because bread in Japan is called pan, he wants to make Japan. <laughs> like it. So he's it's a it's is a it is it the bread that that they stack with the they hollow out the middle and and uh, oh, fill the, the melon bread. Not when well, the melon bread was awesome too. So oh, if yeah. you ever go to Japan, get get melon bread with ice cream in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, no, they had the square thing that they hollowed they hollowed out and put put. Uh, oh, so that so so don't so those are just slices of bread put on either side and then they fill it up with stuff in the okay. middle. Okay, there we go. But it'd be equally just as destructive to your diet and your uh, waistline as well. Yeah. Um, but no, he's trying to actually create like his own like variations of bread and they actually go through a tournament series of just. Baking weird bread. That, oddly enough, they eventually give you recipes for. Well, hey. So you could make it on your own. So somebody went through the entire I'll, ha- board. I'll have to take a look because I, I, I bake bread, bread for your father. I mean, Absolutely. Yeah, I bake bread with nut flour. So. So what's interesting about Film and Alchemy is that it's not common for an anime series to get two different anime shows based off of it. Um, in this case here, the first Full Metal Alchemist uh, anime began running in 2003 um, and the uniqueness about that here is that because it's a monthly series the month that by the time they decided to start making it a TV series which is usually about a year before it premieres they had only maybe had about 10 to 12 chapters of it actually come out Oh, so a lot of the story hadn't actually even been told here yet it's like Game of Thrones where they're playing catch up with with uh... The, the written material kind of but not kind of like that too but eventually what happened is, is that there's a point in the manga where um the story just wildly diverges at that point and becomes almost something completely different by what was the what was the original um manga artist's intent so what what's and again what's really nice about this here is that it's nice because here's a different version of what the story was that still very much matches up with the same themes of the original manga at the end of the day. So in that particular respect, that's a kind of a cool thing. Um, and then as the series was dro- was slowly running running down uh, by, a, I think it was chapter, which we call it here, by about chapter 86 or 87, something around there, they said that they wanted to make another series that was timed to end literally right around the same time that the manga had ended. So the manga had ended three weeks before the final episode aired. So very oh, serendip- wow. serendipitous. So they're doing this, doing this almost simultaneously. Well, they, well so <laughs> what happened was is that they knew the first is that Arakawa was able to share a lot of her details with them um, as far as what she had planned to do. So storylines. For storylines of what was going to happen. But they literally had to animate the stuff at, with the, when they started getting to the very final chapters. They actually were still writing it um, for animation and then up until the very end, they were animating up until like the week before it came out because they had to animate that last chapter and storyboard it too. It's in- it would be interesting to find out if one affected the other. It did did the show and its direction affect uh, the writing of 
of the anime. Well, so, well, in this case here, um, when it comes to the second season, the 2009 or Brotherhood season uh, of, of Full Metal Alchemist, it's actually a one-to-one faithful retelling of the original manga. That's pretty cool. Which is, which is typical for a lot of shows. I mean, a lot of shows typically um, tend to be one-to-one recreations of what was animated or, or what was uh, originally put, put on manga page. But a lot of times the animation actually helps it become more alive. Um, by this point, though, I tend to find that if I've read it in manga form, unless it's something that like really looks amazing in anime, like I don't really need to watch it in anime. Um, in a lot of cases, only just because you miss a couple things here and there as a result of it, and it doesn't have quite the same impact. Okay, so let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. We just recently um, watched Silent Voice. Silent, a Silent Voice, yes. A Silent Voice. And you had you had read the anime, so I had, so I had watched the original, uh, so I had read the original manga for it, and I was uh, really super excited when I heard there was a with them. I heard that there was going to be a movie about it, because I knew the movie would probably cut out a lot of stuff that was in there, um, and not properly explain some stuff. In which the the movie glosses over quite a bit of some stuff here, um, like, in, I don't I, the mom, for example. Um, of the death girl yeah is very upset in a lot of ways but it's not well explained why she's so upset versus in the manga they make a point of saying like you know like why she's so upset okay so so let me let me make a guess there because because in the movie it was hinted at but not stated that maybe the parents divorced over the deaf the deaf daughter yeah so that's the reason why okay so it's never actually said no it's, it's hinted at. It's hinted at, and and what you don't you get a sense of of resentment of the mom towards the daughter, but it's never fleshed out. No, is it in the is it in the manga? So there's so in the manga it's much more like because because the manga has a lot more time to do its content versus what the movie had here. You see a lot more. You know, you it's never outright said that she, you know, has contempt for her daughter because of it, but. It's that quiet understanding of, you know, like, you know, yeah, your husband divorced you and he was a a shitty person for divorcing you because of your, because of your child. And so she kind of presents her child a little bit more. That's why she's typically always angry, but she's never, it's never outright stated, but it's much more heavily hinted because you see more of the elements with the father and him leaving. And and in this, you never see the father. No, you never even see the father and he's never almost brought up at all. Yeah. So it's it's hinted at, Mm -hmm. but it's never said. So, so that actually and and the mother's resentment is is hinted at but never really fleshed out either and and so i found it confusing when when the when the daughter suddenly commits suicide because it seemed to me like it was more sudden it just was she was suddenly wanting to do it yeah yeah it seemed uh, suddenly when it happened it was kind of unexpected for me mm -hmm. yeah and that's and again i mean like the the story does a lot, a great job of one of the things you miss, you lose in a lot of stuff here is that um, the head, the kind of the head speech that you get in manga. Uh-huh. So you get a lot of characters that are kind of like have a face on them, but they're like talking to themselves silently in the back of their head about yeah. what their thoughts are. Yeah. You lose a lot of that in animation because it's really hard to project what people are thinking without actually saying it because that's not, yeah, that's not yeah, a common yeah, element there. Yeah, it, that's a... What's unique about the, but again, what I really love about the manga here is, though, is that you never really get to hear anybody else's voice but shows. So you don't get to see or kind of think about what anybody else is thinking about, only show is ever thinking about it. 
Um, and so you don't get to hear um, the death girl's thoughts at all, you know, because she doesn't think in that way either. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just kind of unique. So she doesn't have her own voice in her head because that's not how she thinks about the world. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I just wondered if, if what that was like for you because I know you were eager eager to see it and it was I enjoyed it. Oh you no, know, I, I had watched it. This that was probably like the third or fourth time I watched it at okay. that point. Um, and it was kind of suddenly it was I was also quietly watching you because I wanted to see what you some of your reactions were because I was curious. It's like what will my mom think of this scene? that's exactly what I thought she would think. So yeah. there was stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but to, but again, yeah, like again, the stark difference sometimes in manga versus anime can be there. Uh, the 2003 version of full metal alchemist anime was very much like that, where the story has wildly different notations. Even characters are completely renamed and have different recontextualizations about how they even exist versus in the, um, the original manga in the 2009 anime, like this is how Arakawa originally ex- believed them to exist or to come about in those cases. So um, very different in those cases. Um, plus they don't even get to go to the snow in the, um, in the original version, which is a shame because there's literally like, like Arakawa spends like almost two years in snow. Oh. Huh. Or from Alchemist does. Yeah. There's a, the region to the north that they just end up kind of like existing in with for like a while. Yep. Um, so after Full Metal Alchemist, she started doing a couple other series. Um, one of her series called Hero Tales is uh, kind of what would happen if Imperial China was warring and in the wars you had people with some superpowers eventually that are based off of stars, um, which was a series she'd actually been considering and thinking about for years before she started doing Full Metal, uh, Full Metal Alchemist. So, uh, it's one that she still, I believe, intends to continue working on. It's just it's in, been in hiatus for a while. Uh, I think since 2010, so it's been a while. Yeah. Um, her other series, which actually just finished up here in uh, 2019, actually, which I want to go back and reread, is called Silver Spoon. Oh, it's, what is that about? Um, slice of Life on an Agricultural High School. Oh, okay. Yeah. Written from personal experience. Oh, yeah, no. She, she's literally... It, um, her uh, pen name, so everyone so everyone has a pen name, obviously, um, yeah. or a little photo that kind of speaks to who they are in a lot of cases, and sometimes that little mascot character will change in a lot of cases. Hers is a dairy cow. Well, okay, so so understand that I grew up at, at a high school, mm-hmm. I went to a high school, that, um, that taught animal husbandry and winemaking, because both things were... were popular enough in that area that yeah. they, that people would be going into that. I was on the farm bus route. Mm-hmm. So I took a bus into school every every morning and we'd take hours because you stopped at everybody's farm. Yeah, I would imagine. Yep. But yeah, again, I mean, like, Silver Spoons is interesting because it's a very much a slice of life series about, um, it's about a kid literally from Tokyo who um, didn't get into the most prestigious high school like uh, that his parents really expected him to get into. Um, and it's not living up because so what originally happened was that his brother they really wanted his parents really wanted him to get into Tokyo U which is a very prestigious university in Japan and so he got in and then but the parents never stated you know hey you got to continue studying there and so his brother basically like hey I passed the exam to get into Tokyo U I became a Tokyo U student and the next day he quit because he didn't like having all that pressure on him to lead his own life yeah 
And so yeah. the parents ended up putting a lot of that pressure on to their son. It's like, you have to, you know, you have to live up to the, you know, you have to live up to your brother's example because he failed to do that. So the kid who was a very smart kid in and of his own right didn't get into the most prestigious high school that he originally wanted to get into. Um, so as a backup, um, in order to try to get away from it all because he really wanted to kind of get away from it, he chose his... Um, his middle school uh, teacher basically suggested that he go study, he go to high school at an agricultural farm where he has no experience working on a farm of any sort of sort. So the first couple chapters are, you know, him being in classroom and learning to work on a farm from like the ground up where a lot of the other kids there are like, yeah, we do this at my farm. It's the exact same way we always grew, do it. You grew up on it, yeah. Yeah, so it's a lot of him getting up at like 4 a.m. in the morning to go start doing chores. Yep. And him just like, why? Why do we get up at 4 o'clock? And everyone else is like, yeah, whatever. It's 4 o'clock in the morning. This is when you get up. Yeah. Um, so it's city, city go, bo- go feed the chickens. Just feed the chickens, do the, do the, do the... Shovel the stalls. Shovel the stalls, work with the cows. Yep. You know, like, eventually he becomes a, he becomes a part of the equestrian club. And, you know, he's like, finally, I'm free. I don't have to wake up any night anymore. It's like, horses, you know, may, you know, you still have to get up early and stay late for the horses. It's like, no. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a really fun series because it's a very nice, interesting slice of life sort of thing. And it's kind of a um, trying to also kind of discover yourself. It's like, well, I wasn't meant to do this. And I'm li- I have to live up to my parents, you know, yeah. ex- expectations. But, like, what do I do when I'm not able to do either of those sort of things. So and he's at like this agricultural high school that he doesn't really want to be at. He finds it kind of funny because like when everything with the exception of the actual agriculture stuff, he's a pure, perfect genius. at. He's getting the best scores in the entire school. But like when it comes to all the agricultural stuff, he scores well, he scores well on the test, but he just does not understand the material all that well. Because again, he hasn't grown up on it for years. Like he used to think like, all these hicks over here, they don't know anything about math. And then they start talking about, like, agriculture. And it's just like, holy shit, these people are geniuses. Well, and, and, and you know, as, as you know, I, I actually, part of my job is managing, uh, you know, 1,500 acres of corn mm-hmm. and, and cattle. Mm-hmm. And then uh, some raw land that we grow tomatoes and rice on. So, um, so I, there are a lot of numbers involved. Oh, yes. Um, and then the last series she's actually currently still working on is called the um, called the Heroic Legend of Arslan, which is based off a book series, a very long running book series. Um, so it's one of these mangas here where she'll be at it for the better part of a couple years, um, and all these have actually been uh, translated into anime as well, which is actually pretty cool. So so if so if you're a popular um, manga artist artist yeah artist writer whatever um does that i I imagine that gives you a leg up with getting yourself uh published or converted into uh anime it tends to be a lot it tends to be a lot she must have a following oh yeah no she definitely has a following and i mean um it also also depends a little bit more on the subject matter as well i mean like um bakuman does a really good example of this so in bakuman um the lead character basically fell in love with like this high with this with this middle school darling who he's actually been secretly in love with since they've been children um she wants to become a voice actress out uh, oddly enough and he wants to create manga and so they've decided that they're not going to see each other until they're both or the dreams come true where he gets created an anime and that she stars in that anime as the heroine's voice 
And eventually, oh, that's that, that's cute. But mind you, along the way, they actually just get you know it's it's up becoming one of these things where like, oh, actually you proposed, so we can't get married and start dating each other until this actually happens. So the entire manga series is about the the two high school kids trying to make their manga popular enough to be able to be um, created into an anime. So they can realize their love. So they can realize their dreams. Yeah. Um, but eventually, ends up, eventually one of their mangas actually does become really popular. Um, but eventually it's found that they actually can't be animated because of the subject material. Because it's kids pulling pranks on other kids with a realistic setting. Oh, yeah. So you can't animate that because that's going to give too many kids... Like uh, punked. You punked. It's going to give too many kids ideas. Yep. Um, even the even the name for it is a little weird because it's yeah, the title for it is Perfect Crime Club, uh, Perfect Crime Party. Wow. Okay. Or, or otherwise known as PCP. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, like, I, I don't think PCP has the same alliteration that it does in Japan as it does here in America. Um, but yeah, like they had a really hit manga, but they couldn't animate it at all. So they were originally like. Well, we want to quit this now and find something that will get animated. And it was like, "Are you people insane? You're making money. You're, you're making yeah. head. Of, you're you're making money. Finally, you finally got a series that's really popular, and you want to quit to to make something else just because it won't get at, so. Yeah. So, the examples of that um, are 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 there certain kinds of manga that are you because know, you bring up a good good topic there. Are there certain kind of manga that um, lend themselves more to um, anime than others shonen manga tend to be a lot more um i mean depending on a lot of manga are actually very easy to translate in a lot of cases um it generally tends to be the subject matter in which usually holds it back so like a lot of manga you know i could see i i've honestly enough i've read a lot of manga where i was like oh well this is going to get animated it's at a certain point or this will be really kind of cool if this does get animated um because in a lot of cases, manga is very much a proving ground at the end of the day. Because if a manga gets popular enough, you know, will it, you know, you've already done the marketing and to figure out will it, it sell on TV. It's sort of the test pilot for your show. Yeah, exactly. I mean, much the same way right now, like a lot of the Marvel comics don't sell very well. But the stories that get a lot of interest in them are what they use to test ground for the actual movies now. Interesting. So a lot of the, you know, so a lot of their comics are basically with the intention of being like, huh, will this do well in a comic book form? If it does, we can start looking at it to translate it to the movies because that's where we make a lot of our money at now. Okay, but but you know, Japanese topics, and you and I have talked about this before. Jap, mm-hmm. as a whole, they'll take on topics that we really won't. Precisely, Western yeah. Western society mm-hmm. really won't, um, like suicide. Like suicide or um, deafness in a lot of cases. I don't. Again, I mean that was one of the things that I've seen some stuff about death, but like, again, I mean I, I think Japanese people will try a whole lot of stuff because they're not because they're looking to hit a they're they might be looking for a certain subject, but again they're also just aiming as they're not aiming as broadly as American but, stuff does. But, but if you looked at at um, Japanese um, anime and and manga about teenage life. Mm-hmm. And you compare it to what's available on on American TV, it's not not nine zero two one zero, and it's not Saved by the Bell. No, um, it's not sugar coated. It's much more maybe true to emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and so it has a much different, I think, appeal. It's it's much more candid, I guess, for lack of a better oh, yeah. a better term. And um, and so I always kind of wonder if we won't produce that for ourselves. How marketable is what Japan produces in that in that light here? Well, again, um, what I think a lot of the time happens here is, especially with there are going to be some shows, there are going to be some manga that translate super well to anime, which are going to be dynamite popular across the board. Everyone read uh, Boku no Hero Academia, and within like the first five six chapters, chapters we were all in agreement. It's like, oh yeah, this is going to be anime, and this is going to be the next big thing. This is going to be the next thing that replaces Bleach or Naruto in One Piece. Like, and, and and what was it about that that made you made you feel that way? It's it's an American version of comic books done in a Japanese style. It's like all the characters have like what they call quirks or super ability superpowers at the end of the day, and are treated like American superheroes um, as well, and they're all going to high school. So we all we all kind of realized, oh, they've hit kind of a tri- trifecta superheroes as superheroes versus because they're com- American comic book style yeah uh, set in high school with you know and everyone's learning how to actually use their powers correctly in a superhero context like it's that awkward we, thing that we all we all it's, it's basically like Shazam it's Spider-Man oh there we go it's it's 20 kids as Spider-Man plus any other kids they decide to throw into that as well as trying to figure out their powers each one have to actually go through and like say like there's literally an entire chapter about what's your superhero name? And everyone goes through what their superhero names are. And some people are like, you should probably can reconsider that because it doesn't sound right or it might be misconstrued as this. And then they literally go through the point of everyone gets to make their own superhero costume. And so some people have costumes that um, invoke themes or elements, like somebody who's like runs really fast and has literal pipes coming out of his legs is kind uh-huh. of more robotic feeling versus another person which makes stuff float is very spacey feeling. Um, so some people's, you know, superhero outfits match who they are character-wise, and some outfits are designed to work well with their powers. Like one person, she can make stuff. She can make weapons and other items out of her out of her own uh, body fat. So she has to have lots of skin exposed so she can pull it out as necessary, and she doesn't like to have a lot of her skin exposed at all. So that's kind of a weird side bit there. Um, there's another guy who shoots lasers out of his navel. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't. So does he have like a belly hole? Well, he's got. So you know how. So you know how Cyclops guy has the glasses on and he has that yeah. visor eventually. Yeah. He's got a belt for that. Oh, cool. So he's got a belt okay. that shoot that helps him control his laser shots. So he just that's how he does that. So some 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 suits are functional while other suits are more um, aspiral, uh, aspirational. aspirational. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So so does that mean does that mean that that uh, Western culture is only only uh, willing to to assimilate uh, what it already understands. And I think the real problem with Western culture here is that, um, how to best put this? I think the real problem with Western culture, as far as and as far as just like their media in a lot of cases, is that it's really is trying to hit all the eyeballs it physically can because they think that you're spending a lot of money here, and if you don't hit a certain amount of eyeballs, that it's a failure. Versus, like, in Japan, like, hey, like, we're going to do this, and if it sells really well, great. But there's not, like, really a benchmark to what you sell to be popular, I think I feel, in Japan. And I could be very much wrong about that, too. But, but I imagine, but again, keep in mind, like, there is committees that literally say, like, 
this manga, not this one. This one needs more work. This one, this one will be a bestseller. Let's give this one a try, sort of thing. It's the same. And but when you get to like anime, in a lot of cases, you know, as a manga, it's very easy to have a failure and be able to write it off because as an anthology theory series, you have twenty other stories in there that people are trying to get at anyways. And if yeah. half yeah. of them are great or half of them suck, people are still buying the book because they're there for the ones that succeed. Okay, so let's explain what that book is because because I think it's important to understand. That, that when you're looking at, at manga, you frequently are buying it almost like a, a little catalog that has... So you're getting like these big anthology books um, is the best way I know to describe yeah. them. And they're, yeah. they're basically, if you go back in time, if you remember um, the paperback novels sort of things where they would tell like a bit of a story in every single magazine, essentially. Yeah. It's not too dissimilar in this case where you're buying like what looks to be almost half the size of a phone book in some cases or about the size of a phone book depending on where you live and it's full of just pages of stories in there and they're all short like short stories well they're, again, they're all anywhere from 15 to 20 chapters of a long running series in some yeah. cases and they appear in there every single week in the case of a uh, weekly shonen series like shonen jump uh, weekly shonen magazine stuff like that versus uh, Full Metal Alchemist and some other series which come out monthly so they have a monthly anthology volume that comes out and, and when we're talking about an anthology volume it's it's different uh, authors so it's not one author it's 20 like, some odd different authors, authors depending yeah. in there and again that could be divided between uh, 18 some odd authors that are consistent that are consistent in the chapters and then like one or two one shots as like trials or like this guy won this yeah. guy won an award so we're presenting him in the manga and if he does well in the manga maybe we'll get him a series somewhere down the line yeah. somewhere around there uh, and so yeah it's full of like 18 to 20 some odd stories sometimes more in there of different anime or different manga that are either long running recently started or have been there for like two and a half weeks in some cases and rather started. than being sold at bookstores they are sold at like the 7-Eleven on mm-hmm. the corner and they come out is it every Wednesday every depends some some come out on Tuesdays some are on Wednesdays some are on Fridays there's literally a weekly shown in Sunday which only comes out on Sundays but actually yeah. comes out on Mondays now I think so like they, again you get them from your 7-Eleven or you get them if there's a bookstore nearby you get them from the bookstore it was, so it was, it was interesting to me when we were there to see uh, an entire like big thing of it, and then one yeah. of the big things there being like all these big anthology books, yep. you know, that look like phone books. Yep. Yeah, it was cool. And some people, I mean, and there are people that have collected those along with dinner. Oh yeah, along with the, I mean, well, again, keep in mind like some Seven Eleven sell just about anything you need in there. Well, and I mean, I mean, yeah. Even so, in some of the American ones. It's, it's a full dinner, and it's a nice full dinner. Oh, too. it's a very full dinner. Yeah. Again, I mean, like you could beautiful. Again, there's a lot of people that eat dinner and live off of Seven Elevens, Family Marts, and other stuff like that. Yeah, they're on every corner. Mm-hmm. L- literally every corner. Sometimes yeah. in the station. Yeah. So, um, so to get back to Full Metal Alchemist in particular, because I know we keep it's okay. We, it's, it's I'm sorry. It's an interesting topic. I absolutely. Um, so the main story of Full Metal Alchemist here, and I'm going to describe it for you, and I'll get you a little more details here as we go. Um, tells the story of both Ed and Al, so Edward and Alphonse, more collectively known as Ed and Al El, Elric, a pair of brothers who are gifted in the science slash magic of alchemy, and as they travel around a fictional country of uh, Mestris in ways to, as they're looking for ways to recover their bodies. So how did they lose their bodies? So again, so um, am I gonna learn that? Oh yeah. So okay. so I'll actually explain it for you here. So. Um, in the world of Full Metal Alchemist, it's a steampunk-style world. 
Um, so if you can imagine, like, early 19th century, like, there's some little bits of electricity here and there, but, like, for the most part, like, a lot of stuff is powered off of steam. So very very kind of steampunky sort of world here. Um, but the major div uh, the major science, though, in um, this world is what they call alchemy, which is this notion where you draw, a draw what you call a transmutation circle on the ground, you put ingredients in the middle of it here, and depending on what ingredients you've put in, what your circle is, you put your hands on the circle to charge it with energy, and it makes whatever you had the transmutation circle set to do. So if you put like scraps of metal inside the circle, you could put your hands on top of the circle and you could create like a little metal horse, like a little statue. Okay. Or, or if you, if you put like wood in there, you know, maybe, or, or, or again, like you put metal in there, maybe you create like a fork, fork, knife and spoon or. Um, um, so, so sort of magic, but bring, you know, B-Y-O-S, bring your own supplies. See, it's transmutation magic is, all, is also okay. what it's called. So okay. um, in, other, in other magic forms here. And the notion being is that um, you could take a clump of dirt and turn it in, you know, grab the raw materials out of that dirt and make, you know, a pole out of it or something if you really like, want so, to. So you, could, so you could get the iron ore out of rock. Yeah. Okay. So you could, you could transmute it. So if you knew what you were doing with, with it you could, and you had the right transmutation circle you could have it where you pull out all the in minerals out of a rock and turn it into a, a hammer or turn it into parts of a steel rail or you know in some cases here if you have all the original parts of a clock you could use the the transmutation circle to rebuild the clock to a back to original functioning order so um and the, the story here like it's the way alchemy is described is it's very much a um, what what we would call a hard magic system. It has certain rules and laws that are in, um, that are inherent in the system. Uh, one of those room, one of those very consistent rules is the law is law of equivalent exchange, which I literally repeat every single episode, um, to the point where it became like a meme at a certain point. Um, and the and the law of equivalent exchange basically says that in order to gain something, you have to lose something in return. So you only so you can only gain as much of something as what you give up to to get to it. So, like, you can only, you know, so if you only have, like... A little Einstein-ish. Well, I mean, so, I mean... For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. Very much in that particular case, but they mean it in such a literal sense that, like, in order for you to make a... In order for you to make a house, you would have to have a lot of wood to make that house. So if you have a single plank of wood, you can't make a house out of that. You can only make, you know, you, only, you can make a very tiny little dollhouse out of it, maybe. But I mean, but I mean, like you have to have the right amount of material in order to get. What so you there, want are, out there of. are equivalencies. Yeah. So I mean, you you have to have the exact amount in order to get something out of it. Um, you also can't just make anything yeah. out of nothing as well either. So like, if you wanted to make a wooden house, you can't use you can't use mud to do it. You know, you have to have wood in order to make a wooden house. Much the but, same. But way. you grow trees in soil. You you can, but you can't transmute life. Okay. Which is a which is actually a big taboo in the series. So. Um, the, that's an interesting taboo well it's an, it'll, so there's so there's three laws that are kind of in in so in the country there's three laws uh, for alchemists um, one of which is that um, you obey the military so the military is kind of this omnipresent sort of superpower within the country it's basically the government at the same time mm -hmm. um, and you have alchemists that work for the work for the military called state alchemists and one of their first laws is that you have to always obey the military 
Um, so alchemists are always asked to go do certain things because depending right. on what your alchemy is, you can, you're some cases a human weapon in a lot of cases. Okay, so hold it here. Depending on your alchemy, so so alchemists are limited to a certain um, skill set. Not so much their skill. Um, it's different fields of research. Okay. So you think of like so like if you think of like um, physics as an example, you have some people that primarily deal with like movement of like water and stuff like that. So you, or you might have somebody hydrology. Who, hydrology. You might have somebody who works with you know explosions or fire, or you might have somebody who primarily studies like the structure of beams and stuff. You know, so like different alchemists have different kind of sub, su subject matter specialties. Um, some examples include like the flame alchemist who creates flames and explosions. Um, you have the uh, iron-blooded uh, alchemist, which basically primarily deals with iron-related stuff and metal. Um, you have the so, so like a metallurgist. Yeah, like a metallurgist in a lot of cases. Um, and some some are again like again depending on your kind of subject field is kind of how you use your alchemy as well. Like some some are just like there's the sewing life alchemist, which is a really kind of tabooy sort of alchemist that he. He got his name because he made a talking, because he made a... Like Sally? He made a talking dog. Okay, you mean a talking... From, from scrap pieces? Um, not initially. I mean, like, you got to get a dog from somewhere. Okay, I'm, I'm just... I'm, I'm, I... Show, Show Tucker's an unfortunate character, I'll put it that way. So now, is there like a Hogwarts for this? No, um, there's not any sort of official school for it. Again, think like 19th century kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and alchemy actually, as itself, is actually a very expensive craft to get into because there's not a lot of books on it. Um, and to research it takes a lot of time and energy to get through it because if it's not... Because well, it's, then do people mentor you? You have some people that are mentors. Um, the Elwork Brothers, for a lot of cases, had a father who was a very gifted alchemist. And some of his skills passed on to them as well. But they primarily learned all their alchemy from books initially and then actually got a teacher to teach them... Um, more in the way of alchemy. So, like some people are, some people are self-taught. Some people do get masters or apprentices um, kind of elements. So, it's like um, think of a relationship between like uh, Dumbledore and Harry Potter. Okay. It's like master and apprentice. So, you, there's a lot of people that do learn their alchemy in that sort of way. Okay, so not a school for it, but there might be somebody that, that there, takes the, you on. There's some people that will take you on as like apprentices and stuff like okay. that. So. Um, so one of the laws being is that, again, if you're a state alchemist, you work for the military, um, you get a large stipend of funds. So, like, you get so You, get, you get a research lab. Well, not only, well, you get research funds, and your funds yeah. might be used to fund your lifestyle or might be used to fund your adventures or might be used to fund your uh, works to figure out what you're doing. You also um, hold the title of major, unless you decide to get in even further in the military, which is a big deal. Okay. Um but you're also known as the dog the dogs of the military. Um, Ooh, because that doesn't sound good. It's it's meant because well, you're not actually a warrior. Well, no, not so much that as it's so much as that because some alchemists are considered human weapons, um, they're expected to go in and fight on behalf of the military in some conflicts um, that might warrant it. But they're also depending on the alchemist are sometimes like on the level of being like. A, a World War II bombing bombing plane, as far as the damage and collateral they can create. So I mean, like, and, and sound no, fun? No, I mean, like, again, you work for the military, though. I mean, like, a lot of your research and stuff goes into funding other stuff for the military, 
and you get to be used on behalf of the military when they need you. Okay. But they give you all this funding, and they give you kind of license to kind of carte blanche, go do whatever you want and study. So you don't actually have. So you to... give up certain freedoms, you but get, you get you, you get you get other stuff in, as a result. Okay. Again, equivalent exchange. Okay. Um, the other one, the other rule as well is that you can't uh, transmute gold because you would throw off the entire economy. Um, which is actually kind of fascinating because some of the original goals of alchemy, if you go back in time were to create precious metals like gold, you know, so alchemy is a alchemy as we, as it should be properly known, not in the manga tense sense here is actually the lot is actually this, it's basically chemistry, but it was the notion of being able to transmute one material into a completely different material, which is theoretically impossible depending if you know the right amount of chemistry involved into it. Um, it used to be the study back in like the, you know, prior to us really understanding more about chemistry. So like the 14th, you know, 8th, 12th, 10th, you know, very early centuries of, oh yeah, I can turn this rock into gold, which you really can. And it was kind of the study of well, chemistry. We may make diamonds. Yeah, but I mean like that's, but, over, but that's an element over time yes. versus like it's yeah. trying to like turn like a, like a chunk of rock you found on the ground and turn it into gold. Yeah. Yeah, that sort of thing. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and then the last rule, which is the kind of a taboo amongst all alchemists, is that you can't do human transmutation. And so, and again, this is what this is. So uh, no, no on Sally. And no. Sally is a reference to the Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah. So yeah. you're not you're not supposed to do Sally's. Um, the reason for this being is that um, on one hand. There's not really a good equivalent exchange for a life. Oh. Because, you know, what is the value of a life and how do you measure it? So that's part of the problem there is that you can't create, um, that you that they don't want you creating human life because there's not, um, because what ends up actually happening here is that when you could do human alchemy, because you don't have the right toll or the right cost for it at the end of the day, you create what's called a rebound. And so it's basically like, it's kind of like going to the bouncer at, at a club and being like, yo, dog, I'm supposed to get in. And the bouncer being like, nope. And you, and basically beat you up for trying to cut the line at the end of the day. I don't know if that's a great analogy, but that's my best I can think of at the minute, at the immediate moment. But, but I, get, I get the idea. Yeah. Yeah. So because it's not an equivalent value of it at all, there's no way to really find, you know. Well, no... you're actually honoring human life by making that rule because you're you're saying that it's beyond value. Yeah. And and uh, and that's actually probably a, a pretty good way to look at it. So there's actually um, and I don't want to spoil it because it's it's actually an yeah. integral part. There's actually a, a, there's actually alternative motives for this rule as well. And I'll learn about that when I watch. Oh, um, not immediately. You won't learn it until much, much later on if you continue reading through it. Okay. Um, and, and, and or watching the manga, but there's but there's other reasons for some of these rules. Okay. Um, which have kind of a more sinister take on it when you really think about it. Um, but like I said before, um, Ed and Al are trying to recover their bodies. Now, what they did was here is that um, when Ed was like maybe three years old and his brother was like maybe two years old their father disappeared and left behind their mom who cherished their father greatly the kids didn't really grow up enough with their parent with their dad to really uh, get to understand him so they have both have so ed has a lot of has a lot of angst and anger over his father versus al who 
never really knew his father kind of has more of a longing for him. Um, but their mother died very young. Like, by the time the El- the outworks were like... So they're orphans. Well, because they're, by the time they get... By the time they turn like seven and six, like their mom dies and they kind of end up living uh, with their... Uh, one of their neighbors for a little bit. Um, because it's kind of... Because they live out in the countryside, so there's not a lot of anything anywhere. Yeah. Um, and they really want to get their mom back. Or no, actually, no. The mom actually simply dies when they're like four or five years old, actually. Much younger. Excuse me. Um, as a result of the of the mom dying so early, like the kids really long to bring her back. And because they're children, and when you're a child, you think you can do anything, they read about human transmutation in their father's uh, study and thought, we need to learn how to do this. They got themselves a master that teach them the finer arts of alchemy. Uh-huh. Um, they came back when they were like eight, nine years old and tried, and basically what they did is they gathered up all the materials of a human body. Like Al, Edward literally has a small booklet on it that literally describes all the exact details of what it takes to make a human body. Like uh-huh. X amount of grams of salt, this amount of sulfur, or this amount of calcium, so forth. Water. Yeah. They, yep. cre- they created their own transmutation circle based off what their knowledge was and attempted to do human alchemy, a human transmutation alchemy. Which is taboo. Which is taboo. And they knew it was taboo going into it, too, but they didn't, re- they didn't fully understand the ramifications of why it was taboo. Okay. Because, again, nobody's done it. Nobody does it at all, so it's confusing as to why, you know, if you didn't know why, any better. Yeah, well, why if you're you know? a kid, I mean, if you're, you're a kid. And, what, all they, and all they wanted yeah. to do was just see their mom again. You know, so you kind of appreciate that from their standpoint. Yeah. Um, as a result of the human transmutation, um, Al gets deconstructed. Is the is, so the way of alchemy works is that you identify what you're doing, you deconstruct it, and then you rebuild it. So the process, you know, so the the way that works is that you deconstruct all the elements down to their base elements, and then you rebuild it back up. Yeah. Um, well, in this case here, it deconstructed all of Al. So Al just disappeared into nothingness. And then at the same... Wait for it, wait for it. And then Ed lost his left leg. That got deconstructed as well. But as a result of doing this, though, again, remember, you get something of equal value that you give into it. Edward got, like, Matrix-style downloaded with alchemy knowledge. Oh. So he became... So he got all the super advanced alchemy knowledge just immediately downloaded into his head very you know in a way and so, so 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 somewhat un, unimpudent yes cool. so, so we got all this like downloaded information that in theory could actually get him to the point where he wants to get to um but he realized that what he what he, what he did afterwards screwed you know al's gone the thing that they created isn't quite a human. It's a mangled version of what a human might look like if you put it together properly in weird fashions. Okay. Imagine giving like the bones of like a, a imagine giving the a deceased person to an alien and them trying to figure out how you put it back together. It was monstrous and literally monstrous. It died very shortly afterwards, though. Okay. Unfortunately. Um, or or not. Or not, depending on how you and how you yeah. want to say it here. Um, what ended up and Ed ended up doing here afterwards though is that using his newfound knowledge of alchemy 
there was a suit of armor that happened to be in the library in the study where they were doing this this magic app or this alchemy app and in his own blood he created a circle a transmutation circle in there and was able to bind al's soul to the suit of armor At so al can al can be existent al yeah, in but a in a giant suit of armor. armor. Yeah, but at the cost of hard Ed, to sleep in. Well, he uh, so actually, um, at the cost of Ed's right entire arm to do that. Is he right-handed? Uh, well, he eventually. <laughs> he, he, Sorry, no, <laughs> it's a bad question. Um, so as a result, here he's missing his left leg and his right arm. Al is in a suit of armor, which. Um, it's actually kind of interesting because... I totally get the appeal of this. I really oh, do. Oh, you know, it, it's super dark, but it's super fascinating, right? Yeah. Um, so in the, as a result of this, Al um, is functionally immortal. Because he's a suit of armor. He's a suit of armor. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't need to eat or drink. He doesn't feel hot or cold. And he's functionally immortal so long as the blood seal doesn't get rubbed off or damaged at all. So, so he does. So he does have an Achilles heel. So he does speak. have an Achilles heel. Yes, um, but the giant suit of armor is absolutely hollow. People can actually live in the suit of armor if they needed to. So, so, so Ed could live in Al. Edward can live inside Al if he wanted to. Now, keep in mind that if uh, he lives inside Al, does he have use of all his limbs? Yes, but Al still has entire control over the entire body too. So he would depending. Al is also a lot stronger than Ed Edward in a lot of cases. Um, I, I I bet. Because <laughs> yeah, he's a seven foot tall suit of armor versus <laughs> versus. I, I'm sorry, I'm I, I'm I'm loving this. So let me let me see if I can find a a really good picture of the two of them here because it's um to see the size difference because of the size difference. Uh, is this it? Yes, perfect. Is he a cool suit of armor? Oh yeah, it's a it's a very cool suit of armor here. So um, this is the size of the two of them. Wow. Yeah. So. Edward is tiny, which is a big selling point of comedy factor well, for him. They're doing, what age are they when this is all, all of this is taking place? They're about eight or nine years old. Okay. Um, they're about eight or nine years old when this happens. Um, Does Ed continue growing, or is he just sort of stunted at eight or nine year old size? So what? Um, well, so Al, Al's, you know, Al mentally keeps growing because uh, as a soul he keeps growing, but yeah. Um, his body never changes because it's a suit of armor. Right. Um, Ed, on the other hand, um, goes to the neighbors who are um, prosthetic doctors as well. Of course. Uh, so in, in this in this world, there's a there's a again like set a steampunk world. Yeah. There's a prosthetic sort of service that's known as an automail. It's basically like a robotic limb uh-huh. that's powered that's by your blood and the nerves that would have been that you would have lost it from. Um, and usually the process to Get out of mail is actually very painful and takes a number of years of recovery to get used to. Um, Ed did it in about two years when normally it would take like four. Okay. Um, it's also theorized that because he's got like an additional like bulk of a giant, of a metal arm on his arm and a metal leg that it kind of also stunted his growth a little bit because his short stature is a constant sort of uh, joking aspect of it. He actually gets very hot tempered over that. Um, and you, so you need a plot line. You do. Well, you need some comedy in here. And yeah. She, Arakawa was very good about adding the comedy to this series. Um, and so as a result, once Ed has an arm and once he has his arm and leg again, he can actually move around and um, 
do the stuff he needs to do again, they decide that they're going to go find what they call the Philosopher's Stone. Now, the Philosopher's Stone, kind of in the same way how it works in Harry Potter, uh-huh. is a stone that lets you kind of bypass the natural laws of the universe. In alchemy terms, the Philosopher's Stone allows you to bypass uh, the laws of equivalent exchange. You know, Because as it is right now, in order for... In order for Ed to get his arm back, he would theoretically need to do some, need to give up something that would warrant getting his arm back. And the same thing with Al's body; he would need because you got to pay the price. You got to pay the price to get there. So you have yeah. to pay. You have to give something of equal value to get something as, uh, of equal value in return. Um, and so their search for the Philosopher's Stone is intentional to see, because it's, according to legends, the design of the Philosopher's Stone is supposed to negate the the laws. And if you can negate the laws, then you can get your arm and your body back without having to pay a, a certain price at the end of the day. So as a, so that is the... So that's kind of the point of the entire series. Along the way, again, like Ed... Both of them go to become state alchemists, but because Al doesn't have a body at all, um, and if they knew that he was a soul binded to a suit of armor, because it's also extremely rare, uh-huh. that he wouldn't... That, you know, they'd actually end up trying to use him for research rather than letting him continue on living living with Ed with with Ed at all. Yeah. Ed's able at the age of 12 to become a state alchemist, which is a very rare feat because he has a very rare feat of his own. Um so what's neat, what's neat, what's unique about Edward is that while most alchemists need a transmutation circle on the ground to do, to do transmutation magic, what he has to do is he just has to clap his hands together and then whatever he touches he can transmute at that point. In the logic for that, in the logic and the way the anime um, and the manga tell this here is that he's, um, when you're touching the transmutation circle because it's connected to the ground, you're actually pulling energy from the core of the universe, the core of the world, uh, magma energy, and you're actually connecting with that energy to create the energy needed to create the, the magic at the end of the day. So as a result of him clapping, and the, and the circle is that sort of uh, dial tone to do that. Versus Ed with his arms, he can circle the energy through his arms, acting as a transmutation circle, and then whatever he touches will connect with the energy, will connect with the with the magma in the earth, and thus create whatever he wants to create. So he uses it. So a lot of time, what Ed uses this for is that he'll clap his hands together, which is a very kind of pointed way, and he, what he'll do is he'll like touch the ground, and he'll cause a spear or something to be formed out of the ground, as an example, or. Um, he'll touch the. He'll touch it, and he'll. Touch so he it. has no time loss from having to create the alchemy circle and do all of that. He is just on He's just it. On it, yeah. And 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 a lot of people kind of circumvent the transmutation circle as well by, um, like stitching it into clothing, as an example. So. Uh, so so they're ever ready. So they're ever ready. So like so one of the other supporting characters here is a gentleman named uh, Roy Mustang or Colonel Roy Mustang. He's the flame alchemist. Um, his big deal is that he has a set of gloves which um, which um, he snaps his fingers and creates a spark out of the gloves and what he does from there is that because he's got the transmutation circle on inscribed on the, the glove, glove. Yeah. It, actually the transmutation circle is actually manipulating the airflow and so what that does is that because you're manipulating the airflow the flame can travel through the air as he wants and then either flame up or explode wherever he wants it to happen at so that's kind of the unique element of his uh, alchemy at the end of the day. I mean, in theory, Ed could do it as well. It's just he would—he just doesn't have enough practice in doing it that he wouldn't be as 
qualified as Roy was would be. But everyone always, but everyone also acknowledges that at 12 years old for being a state alchemist, he's probably the most the smartest alchemist that's probably out there in a, in a sense too. So he's sort of the Sheldon of alchemists. Yes, okay. but without with a lot without with a lot of the emotional Adam, baggage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. It's okay. It's a good example. Um, so some of the other characters in here that we'll find initially here is also going to be uh, Winry Rockbell. Um, or I, I really do think that they were really trying to go for Windy, I think. But Winry is it's close. Again, it's the, a nice name. I like it's, that. It's a nice name, but again, like they have a lot, they have a lot of problems with like their L's and D's, and uh, that, that that could be your your first daughter's name. Oh no, I already know what my first daughter's name oh, okay. is. So I've already figured that one out. Okay. Uh, but I'm not telling until anybody because I don't want everyone to get, start giving me shit over it. That's okay. <laughs> um, That's okay. So Winry is. Um, a automail uh, machinist, so she is a she often um, between Ed and Ed and uh, her because there's a love tension going on there. Uh-huh. Um, he describes her as a machinist nerd, and they describe and she describes him as an alchemy nerd. Um, but she's also so she's also the same person that built Edward's arm, literally. Um, she's also the one that did help with the operation to connect all the nerves to the servos that would eventually power the arm. Um, and so they, and keep in mind that Windry's also grown up with Ed and Al as well. So she's kind of like a surrogate sister at the end of the day. The ne- neighbor next door or something? The very ne- neighbor next door. Okay. How did uh, I guess? No, uh, yeah. very, very true. Yeah. Um, and so she often acts sometimes as the emotional sort of support for the two brothers. Um, and in Ed case, literal, like, physical support. Cause, um, so as an example, when they go to the snow territory... Um, Ed has to get new arms and legs that are properly suited for cold weather climate. So he has to get new carbon fiber arms. Snowshoe legs? Well, he basically has to switch out his armor for, it ends up being lighter, but also cold resistant. Mm-hmm. So, so it doesn't lock up as easily. Um, so that's his example. Arm, Ed breaks his arm on numerous occasions, and so she always has to fix it. And she has to be there to fix it in a lot of cases because you can't mail order an R. Mail order in steampunk time True. frame, you know. Um, there's also, again, some alchemy that only Al- Edward can do because he can transmute his hands together. He actually doesn't, and he doesn't need to create the circle at all. So there's only some alchemy that he's only able to do in that particular regard. Mm-hmm. So there's stuff like that. Um, but Winry um, is kind of an emotional linchpin of the series in a lot of cases where she's kind of the... You know, you guys don't have to do this. You guys can just lead a normal life. Like, no, what? How can I lead a normal life while my brother is in a suit of armor? Yeah. In much the same way, Al is very much on Ed, where it's like, how can I let my brother lead a normal life when he's missing body parts because yeah. of me? Yeah. So, like, the two, all three of them, Ed, Al, and Winry, are all like very much support networks between all of them. You know, very, very caring and loving at the end of the day here. Very wholesome in that particular regard. Uh, one character that's not very wholesome, though, is a gentleman by the name of Scar. Scar. What is it with... <laughs> it just sort of goes with the, the territory. you got Mufasa and Scar. Mm-hmm. So, um, so Scar is kind of an initial antagonist. Scarface. He's kind of an initial antagonist. Um, until it's later kind of figured out that, like, he's not really... He's actually more supporting player than anything else. Um He's a he's given the name Scar because nobody actually knows what his real name is. Um, it's kind of just the nickname given to him because he's actually killing state alchemists. Oh. Um. So bef- prior why? To, 
What what is his? So prior to the start of the story, there is a war um, that's happening to the west of Amestris um, in a territory called uh, Ishval, um, with a group of people there that are known as Ishvalans. Um, I, I, I imagine the better way to kind of describe it might be like modern day Middle Eastern people. I would assume like so they're all like tan skinned. Um, their territory ends up looking kind of a lot like Iraq or Iran in a lot of cases, I guess, maybe. Um, I know that's not a great way to describe it. Describe yeah, but, it. That's but probably general, the best way yeah. I can do that. Um, and what ends up happening here is that the country of Amestris literally attacks um, Ishval for one reason or another. It's never well described in, in the beginning. You learn later on why, but it's not described initially why. Um, it's believed because an Ishvalan killed a... Um, a, a mesher, uh soldier at the end of the day, um, and so that's what started the conflict. Um, what ends up happening here is that um, when they sent in the state alchemists, because uh, Ishvalans don't have alchemy, um, they literally just tore the place up. So now the country of Ishval is a... The Ishvalans are like spread out like refugees across the world in either homeless, uh, homeless encampments or refugee camps, um, and they're very much a, a not a very common race anymore. Um, and as a result of this, Scar blames uh, the state alchemists for all this damage that they did, including killing his brother and other and his uh, other family members as well. Um, what's unique about Scar here is that um, he was given a X-shaped scar on the front of his head, so kind of from his forehead down to his um, eyes, essentially. X-shaped. There's an X-shaped scar on his face where he where he, he tries to hide it with uh, sunglasses. See if I get a good big sunglasses. So, um, okay, here we go. So, so this is kind of what he looks like. Oh wow! Because it goes all the way through the eyes and onto the cheeks. Yes. Not a bad looking guy, though. No, 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 yeah, no. Very. He's a very cool looking guy. And then, um, one of his big selling, one the way he's actually able to stay on par with state alchemists, though, is that. Um, he's actually inherited his brother's right arm, where his brother was actually studying alchemy uh, or uh, rudimentary versions of alchemy. Because mm -hmm. there's alchemy throughout the entire world, but then okay. done in different ways. So Mestre's alchemy is just different from what it might be uh, the Far East versions of al alchemy, which I believe is called alkahestry. Okay. Um, but what Scar has is that he has his in inherited his brother's right arm because his brother... Uh, he lost his right arm, and his brother gave up his right arm to save his brother. He was already dying, unfortunately. Um, and what the arm is, it's got all these sigils and runes that are very much similar to an alchemy transmutation circle. But because his brother was a novice at alchemy, he only figured out how to deconstruct. So the entire right... So he can make make base elements, but not build but anything. Not build it. anything, yeah. So what he's able to do with his right hand is he's actually able to literally break stuff down into... Uh, and break stuff down into literal pieces um, because it's not a full deconstruction phase. It's literally just kind of tearing everything apart. What's actually kind of cool is the way they do their... Um, uh, the way alchemy kind of works in... Uh, uh, it visually looks like, at the end of the day, is that it looks like little tiles kind of stacking on top of one another and kind of connecting to each other. And so what he's able to do is to kind of... Um, take his arm as long as he puts it on something he's able to literally deconstruct it and destroy it essentially so if he touches onto a wall he can destroy the wall if he um grabs like a 
a metal pe- uh, like a, mecha- a machine of some sort he's able to literally break it apart so like um it's a useful tool oh yeah i know for him in, at least in, in war would be a, a good thing and he's going around trying to trying to kill the alchemist the state alchemist yeah and and the reason for that being is because he blames the state alchemist for um he bl- he blames the state alchemist at the end of the day for killing for basically killing all the ishvalans and people in his homeland um because again i mean like the ishvalans were actually winning at a certain point it's not um until the um uh, state alchemist came in that that's when they actually started losing in that particular part so here's a example as as it were wow that's quite the look yeah it's a, this is a this particular so i'll include this um here as well this is a very pivotal moment in the anime um as well as the manga because it's like oh ed lost ed hasn't lost at this point at all um and so it just barely makes it out as well um so so Scar is an initial enemy until he eventually becomes not an enemy and it's figured out that um, everyone's kind of wrong at the end of the day so nobody's right. Nobody nobody killed a soldier? Well, no, somebody killed a soldier but it wasn't um, another person who did it. It was actually um, the big kind of also alchemist sort of uh, conceit to the entire show which is the actual villains of the series. Oh. And so the actual villains of the series are known as humunculi or humunculus. And these are man-made individuals that actually so kind of in the similar how Ed and Al were trying to make it, trying to make remake their mother. This is actually what you you actually create a humunculus because it's a man-made human when you do human alchemy. And so one of the one of the reasons why you don't want to allow state alchemists to and it's actually probably not a spoiler. It actually makes a lot more sense actually. Uh, one of the reasons why you don't want why state alchemists or an alchemist in general not allowed to um, do human transportation is also because they didn't want people to make armies of of humunculus to overthrow the government I totally get that totally logical reason yeah totally logical Um, so while everyone thinks the reason the actual reason for it is for for, uh, moral reasons which is not untrue at the end of the day too there's also a the military has kind of a secret objective so that they don't want anybody to create an army to overthrow them at all. Okay. So, Makes um, sense. so, um, these humunculus, which are very rare, there's seven mm-hmm. of them all based off of the, um, the, uh, sins. Seven deadly sins. Yes. Which were part of your graduation, uh, from high school. That was, that was their, uh, the valedictorians. There were seven valedictorians and they, mm-hmm. they all represent one of those different sense. elements. Yeah. Um, so the first one that we meet is called Lust. Uh, she is portrayed as a very uh, vicacious woman, mm-hmm. um, and her beauty and lust. She's got a lot of beauty in her, and a lot of people lust after her. And so um, she is, tends to end up being a lot of the cases um, a spy and a mouthpiece for her her master at the end of the day, who is um, trying to do all sorts of nasty stuff. Um, as a humunculus, she's the as humunculus. They are unique in the sense that they're also functionally immortal, like Ed, like Al is, um, but to a greater extent. Where if you kill them, they just recharge. They just come back to life shortly thereafter. So, if, like if you were to blow them up um, and char all their skin and everything, they would just their skin would just they grow would back. Re- regenerate. They would just regenerate. Okay. So, like if you if you cut off one of their arms, their arms would 
you know, dissipate and deconstruct, but they would just grow a new arm right away. Um, if you were to, you know, bury them in, bury them underground, they would just dig themselves out of the ground over time eventually. Um, whatever, her, whatever, in, but each, each, um, homunculus has their own kind of special, uh, unique kind of ability as well. Um, Lust is also just like this cool headed kind of like, um, it's hard to describe this kind of a character. Um, seductress, I guess, is kind of the best way to describe okay. her. Um, but what she can do is actually as well is that she can, um, with her fingers, she can actually extend them out to be like giant razor blades. So just like length them out, and then those razor blades can kind of cut anything she passes her hands through. Um, so kind of like Wolverine. But all of her fingers. Um, the next one we have is Gluttony. Um, he's, repre- he's represented by a giant massive ball if you can if you can if you can imagine that um i i actually get that visualization let's see if i can find a good picture of them real quickly um yeah um see if i can find a Oh, that's kind of a cool one. There was kind of the Adams family of uh, of them. Ah, uh-huh. Adams family of them. It looked like that. <laughs> I don't know. I love, to... I love that. No, no, that works. It totally works. Um. So yeah. So you got um, gluttony right there. Okay. Yeah, it's just a massive ball Wait, of a. He person. looks like Uncle Fester now that you say Adams yeah. family. Yeah. And then you've got Morticia or Lust in the very corner over there. Yeah. Um, Gomez. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's... it very much works. Non-intentional as well. The the big guy in the back, kind of kind of lurchy. Yes, very much a lurch. Literally, I actually now kind of want to go back and look and see if I can find references to to Adam's family here because looking at it a little bit closer now that I've accidentally said that is like it kind of looks like that too. No, I totally get it. Yeah. Um. So Gluttony's big deal is that um he's always hungry. He's also the youngest of all the homunculi originally initially. She's got a very kind of like childlike sort of like, oh, but I'm hungry. Can't we eat something? You know, father told me to be good, so I'm going to be good. It's very childlike kind of yeah. uh, aesthetic to him. Yeah. Um, but his big deal is that he can eat. He's always seen either eating something or somebody. Oh, good. Um, much the same way. I like as, a little cannibalism here. And much the same way, like his literally name is Gluttony. Yeah. So he eats stuff. Um, vacation. Uh, and he voraciously. Yeah. Voraciously. And he doesn't die from it at all, either. Um, he's initially kind of a comic relief character, but eventually becomes a uh, far more important depending on what version of the story you get. Story you get. Okay. Remember the 2003 anime differs from the manga in 2009 as far as what these characters. Um, is there end a up live doing. action movie of this thing? Because that'd yeah. be cool. There is. It's not. Uh, there is, and that's the part of the other thing you have to watch as well. Oh, okay, good. Um, and then the last one here that we'll talk about here is Envy. Um, Envy, Envy is kind of an androgynous sort of homunculus. Um, but that's somewhat intentional. Like initially, I thought he was a girl, but he's actually a guy. Um, he's unique in that he's a shapeshifter. Okay. So he shapes. So he shapeshifts into other people, other things. In a lot of cases, um, both to act as a spy and assassin. Mm-hmm. Um, he's amongst probably one of the more crueler of the homunculus because um, where lust is kind of more of a sadistic sort of person that kind of enjoys toying with people. Watching them scurry about and stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Envy is definitely the kind that likes, doesn't well, malicious. not malicious about it. Torturing um, won't give a second thought to killing people in a lot of cases. 
um, but usually always with an objective in mind when he's doing it. Okay, so 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 malicious with intent. Oh yes. Okay. Um, and so yes, there are. So again, there are the two anime series, and then there is a movie as well, which covers a portion of the um, original manga, but in also in a condensed version as well. So this is going to be kind of like a Harry Potter thing where it, some stuff gets left out. Yeah. Um, what's unique about the movie though is the movie was done by the Japanese, so they. It's um, the actors for it are interesting choices, um, but like you can clearly see how like they match up with the original characters at the end of the day. Um, I do think this would kind of be interesting if you were to do this as a. Um, I, I I would find this kind of interesting if you were to do this as kind of like a live action Game of Thrones style thing because it could be interesting in that respect. Mm-hmm. You know, because um, it, it would be kind of interesting to see an American take on this. Perhaps. I, I, my, my thing is, I think I've come to the conclusion that that Americans lack nu- nuance. <laughs> I don't know how else to put that. I don't, I don't, I don't think that Americans lack nuance because I, I, I think with a lot of time, I, I, I think that's part of the thing. I think the other thing as well is that Americans are used to stories that have that are either validating their opinions or giving them the things that they want to see. And a lot of people at the end of the stories, and we're and we're Ameri- as as Western audiences, we're very much in the notion that I want to see a happy ending, or I want to see it's an. It's got to be tied up in a pretty bow. It's got to be tied up in a pretty bow, and a, you know, if there's more coming after that, like, you know, it's got to be vague because maybe it'll never happen at all. Who knows? You can't. You can leave you, it open for a sequel. You you don't want to leave it open for a sequel, and then not and then it not do well enough to ever happen. So some people have got to feel, um, you know, redeem that. But I think the other problem as well is that. American audiences, especially when you go into properties like this, which would seem like they would spend, you would need to spend a fair amount of money to, to do this. Mm-hmm. It needs to be a hit right out the gate. Otherwise, you, otherwise it's not. And I think there's a lot of TV. Yeah, you, you, yeah. So there's the rare, the rare instance in which that wasn't true, but it's rare. Yeah, and like things I, that built up audiences. Yeah, but. I think Game of Thrones is a good example of something that built up audiences over time to become a huge deal. Um, but especially a lot of people who go into making these stuff want their investments back right away yeah you know they want these things to be big deals right away and so to do that you often have to um cater to a larger audience which means that sometimes you have to dumb down your messages in some cases which i think is actually the wrong thing to do because again some of history's kind of more interesting movies or well-beloved movies are movies that are actually quite complicated well, and my thing is that the, the movies that stick with me the most are the movies that let me think afterwards, mm-hmm. that give me a um, a moral or a, an emotional... They're thought-provoking, or they've, yeah. they've, they've given you something where you, you actually kind of want to linger and have more, like, I got finished watching Star Wars as a kid, and I want to know, hey, where's the next one? Yeah. You know, and that left yeah. me wanting more, so that was a great element on there. Um, but I think one of my fa- some of my favorite movies, um, Inception... Loved Inception. Inception has got this crazy idea in it that makes you just want to be like, "Yes, I want to know more." The remastering of time. The well, not only, um, the other one. I uh, the other one I really like as well is also Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. Because like a oh, great movie. Because because again, I mean, like it doesn't even follow a natural story arc where like all the stuff is happening, all the stuff is happening, and oh my goodness, something just happened, and everyone's now just suddenly reacting over it. Yeah. And even the reaction over that is just like. Okay, now it's over. Then move on to the next thing. Yeah. Because eventually you figure out that Shawshank Redemption is not about 
Andy Dufresne, it's actually about Red. Yeah. It's just Red happened to be there while Andy Dufresne was there, so that's, you know, and that's what kind of drives a lot of the plot is Andy Dufresne, oddly enough. Even though he almost never seems to be driving the plot actively, he always seems to be reacting to the plot. Plot, yeah. So. Yeah. No, the the best movies leave you afterwards thinking thinking or asking questions or yeah. or, or let i mean again like i i go back to a silent voice here at the end of the day because like that just made me feel all sorts of things yeah and, and i, I th- would like to know what happens to those characters um so uh show ends up dating obviously um and i can't remember her name to save my life show show up and so um they end up getting um, married later on in life. Okay. And um, they op- and from what I understand, I believe the the uh, ending to that is that one of them, I believe, opens up a uh, a school for the deaf. So for sign language and stuff yeah. for ASL. Um, is the last the last little bit of that is um, there's a thing where like you go back and meet your um, middle school, you meet your elementary school friends. Or classmates um, at a designated point, and like I think it's like supposed to be like ten or twenty years after you leave elementary school, uh, and so you're supposed to meet them again, and everyone's supposed to see like, oh hey, everyone grew up to be something else than we anticipated. Yeah. Um, the same is true of like high school and middle school. Like after like, I think it's after like ten, fifteen years of middle school, you reconnect with all your you you have like a you have like you go all out to a bar or you go out to a to a banquet hall to go meet all your old um, middle school and then high school um, classmates again. Well, like a high school they're... reunion, but I would love to have an elementary school reunion. That'd be kind of cool, yeah. Yeah. Very similar to that. Um, and so the anthology is the two of them going back to see their old elementary school uh, classmates and to meet up with them again. Yeah. Which is um, okay. nerve-wracking, I think, for both of them. Yeah. Which should be. But, yeah. it, but And so what did you think of A Silent Voice at the end of the day? I enjoyed it. Uh, again, it it um, if if you're expecting something that's that's slammed with action, it's that's not it. No. But but what it is though is it's it's a wonderful telling of a of sort of a redemption of a bully, who actually feels who actually feels real remorse. Um, for what he did. Yeah, and um, and I think the one thing that that I had I had questions about was the the notebook falling into the water. Mm-hmm. And and what all? The, uh, Why that's so important at the end of the day? Yeah, because yeah, I've. She clearly has. Um, Showa clearly has, an attachment to that notebook, you know. But I well, well think, the notebook is her means of communications for people, you know, with people who don't sign. Yeah, and and so I understand the importance of it at the end of what the important book is important for. I just always was kind of confused. It was like, if I had that kind of experience, you know, I would want to get rid of it and never see it ever again. But that's also just me, not her. Because she, not all the things written in the notebook were, were kind. Yeah, and I and for her, a lot of that is, um, she also eternalizes a lot of the suffering of other people because she, rightfully or not, thinks that it's her fault that everyone is suffering because... She's a pain because she's difficult to. She's ex- yeah, she's accepted that guilt, um, and and the one the one character that I, I would have liked to have seen redeemed was the girl who taunts her. The the girl with the dark hair who who um, remains in the storyline, 
And even though she really shouldn't. Even though she that. well, she obviously has a has a thing for for uh, Shown. Um, Naoko. Okay. Yeah. So Showa and there's Shoko and then there's uh, Naoko who is the um, again she, she's the she's the like bully she's mean the, girl. She, she's the bully like Showa is. It's just that she didn't get in trouble for it, so she never felt so she never actually got the punishment for it. Where Showa. Um, did get all the punishment for it, and so he obviously clearly understands his um, understands what he did was wrong after a certain point because he just can't live a normal life otherwise. But I mean, the other thing that's not explained um, that I would have liked to have understood better was she is she actually uh, goes takes the step of when they're in middle school, people are writing mean things on Shone's desk, mm-hmm. and she's cleaning the desk every day. Yes. And he doesn't ever understand that. Yes. That she saved him from pain by by cleaning the mean things off his desk because mm-hmm. she knew what that felt like. Well, I think she also was doing it because she felt that it was her fault that people were now bullying him as a result. Um, again, like she's a character that... She takes a lot on herself. She takes a lot on herself whether, whether it's... And again, I think a lot of that it's just because it's hard to communicate with her and hard for her to express it because everyone is always because she's always been around people that don't understand her at all so it's hard for her to express it and as a result she can't communicate how hurt she feels and how much she goes through at any given time yeah so yeah. i mean and i think as well but her personality she wouldn't burden people with that either no she wouldn't and that's and so but but keeping that all bottled up has clearly gotten to the point where she considered committing suicide because everyone's just so hurt yeah, she, well, she just thought, it, you know, much much like... Uh, uh, Showa thought, thought at the very beginning of the series. You know, he's such a burden to everybody, I'm going to repay all my debts, and then, you know, it's not worth living because life's not worth living for him. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I, I, I like this movie because, again, it's an, because it's an interesting take on who, you know, topics that we don't ever really talk about, which, again, is suicide and depression and, and what the bully feels and yeah and then like what the bully feels because again a lot of time we always see the story about how you know the bullies you know ha, ha, look it's the jerk he's the best kid at school look at him he's like the greatest and, and that's literally what Showa was at the beginning of the series but then after everything turns on him you know like he quickly goes down the rabbit hole into an unfortunate spot but but he learns what a real friend is and the real friend is is the, the fat kid that Tomohiro. Yeah, well, but but is is the kid that you 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 might not think would be your friend. friend? Yeah. You know, and yeah, and that's ends up being like his best friend, whether he actually wants him to be his best friend or not, not. In a lot of yeah, because yeah. he missteps a, a bit too. Oh yeah. So so my overall thing is that I find um, Japanese anime much more empathetic mm-hmm. than um, than what I would see on on. On an American or a Western yeah. broadcast, I think yeah. they're just willing to try more stuff. And and again, I mean, like it's stuff like this that won't hit a large audience, but will hit enough of an audience for them to make their money back. And um, and eventually we'll get to the point where like this might get a cult following. I mean, like I, I look at a show, I look at a movie like My Big Fat Greek Wedding, which in no right rate, no right shape or form should have been as popular as it was. Yeah, you know, except except that. That when it came out, and and you know we're Greek, mm-hmm. so so we we so, so we so we so we understand it a lot more than other people would probably do, oh, oh, and we empathize with it a lot more too. And what's interesting is it pokes pokes so much fun at Greeks, and the Greeks loved it. Um, but what 
um, I heard from people when it came out from from friends of mine who were Indian, mm-hmm. um, who were Italian, who were a lot of other things, was that it rang true across ethnic lines. People could relate to it mm-hmm. um, across ethnic lines. So, yeah. um, you know, and the idea of, of immigrant families, which most of America is. Oh, yes. Um, or, and, uh, and if not first generation, then a lot of them are just second or third generation in a lot of cases too but the sequel was crap oh the sequel is absolute garbage so it's, just a hot, it's a hot mess yeah yeah so not everything needs a sequel i never understood why they wanted to do another sequel which is basically just rehashing the original story all over again <laughs> but i had to laugh because the the um, primer that they show the little girl going to a greek school carrying carrying a primer and it's the exact same one uh that you guys had oh jesus the same one so just saying because you guys went to greek school on saturdays we did yeah all right so your homework for this weekend okay we are going to have you read some of the chapters of full metal alchemist Uh uh-huh and then we're going to have you watch a couple episodes of the 2003 anime okay and then also the 2009 anime and then also to watch the 2017 film okay now, there's a lot of it here, so we might, so if we're not able to finish it by next week, which is fully understandable, we can, there's another topic I have, and it's an idea for next week going after that, and then we'll come back the week after to talk about, do to go over the Full Metal Alchemist stuff. Okay. Because the other one is basically like, you know, two or three evenings and maybe a couple YouTube videos where this will take a little bit longer, because this is going to be an experiment. Okay. Because what I'm curious about is... I'm curious if what you see, what you see is the differences between what the manga does versus the two different animes and then the movies do, because they all kind of do that same first two chapters of the manga as an episodes in the anime. So I'm curious as to see if for you to see what are the differences between them and which ones you like better at the end of the day. Okay. Or what elements you like out of it. And again, I mean, um, unfor- so all the anime is anime and the films are all actually available on netflix and the movie is actually a netflix original okay so it's only available on netflix so very easy to get to here um both the animes um have beautiful dubs on there with the same voice actors they were able to get the same voice actors again which was amazing seven Um, seven years apart uh six six seven years apart yeah Yeah. cool so they were able to get the exact same uh voice actors again thankfully um, which is really nice because it's consistent. So you know when you hear Ed, you hear Ed. And when you hear Al, you hear Al, which is... The guy who does Al is perfect child voice. It really is. Um, so there's that. The manga is going to be the slightly more difficult one to get your hands on for a lot of cases because it is owned by Viz Media. Mm-hmm. And they don't have it available up on their uh, on their reading, on their website at all. Okay. So I have a cop- I have a copies of it here... But there are other less official ways you can get it online. Okay. There's literally one that, literally if you type in Full Metal Alchemist manga, there's a website for it, but it's technically an illegal website. It's pirated. It's a pirated website, and occasionally there's, I worry that sometimes there might be malware buried inside of there while you're reading it. Yeah. So I, I, I warn people who do that, and I'll put up the link for it here, um, to make sure that you're... Um, virus you, software, you, is, virus software is up to date and um, and installed because I would never want to generate anything which would damage somebody's computer or risk their information. Yep. Um, 
but thankfully I have a copy of it that it's a legit that I have a legit copy of it. Okay. And I will share that with you. Okay. Um, and so now, I will, would it be something that you might be able to find in a library since it's such a popular? You would definitely be able to find it on the library. Um, you could definitely order it from Amazon and get it within about a week or so. Okay. And uh, and how much how much would something like this? How much would you expect to pay? Um, so each individual volume is probably going to be in the neighborhood of about six to seven bucks, maybe ten dollars at most. Okay. Um, that's a let me double check uh, the Brazilian or the South American. Uh, Rainforest, Rainforest uh, distributors. I love this here. If, even if you misspell Amazon.com, it still links you to the right place. <laughs> so they, they were smart about that. Um, so let's see here. And sometimes Full Metal Alchemist is spelt as one word, so Full Metal as one word. Okay. Um, so let's see here. So each one of the manga volumes here, which looks to be like three volumes in one, are currently selling for about 13 bucks online with Prime. Okay. And looks like you can actually get it within about, with uh, via Prime, you can get it within a few days. Okay. That's, um, that's not a lot to... No. No, it's really not. Oh. Um, that's reasonable. Oh yeah, no, yeah. So in and then there's the box set of it here as well, which is a uh, hundred and seventy dollars. But I don't recommend getting all hundred and twenty-seven. Or I don't recommend getting all twenty-seven volumes of it um, unless you find that you're really enjoying it. But as a gift idea for somebody who really did enjoy it. Oh yes. Uh, since we're still within the Christmas shopping season. There's that. If you really want to get somebody a really great present, um, the thing to really actually get them from Fullmetal Alchemist is the watch. Um, so all state alchemists uh, get a watch which signifies that they are a state alchemist and also is kind of their proof of being a state alchemist. Um, the watch is highly collectible at the end of the day. Oh, that's pretty cool. And so it's, it's a it's pocket a, watch. It's a pocket watch, yeah. So um, if you're for your full metal alchemist fan out there, that pocket watch will be um, a cool thing to get somebody if you if you're a full metal alchemist fan. But cool. no, yeah, they have a lot of these three in one volumes here. Again, I mean, like it looks like if you didn't mind spending about. No, actually, yeah. Again, if you didn't mind spending probably about like a hundred bucks, you could probably get all the vo all the volumes here, not the actual box set even. Um, so they do exist out there, cool. and, and getting them online looks to be rel relatively easy too. Okay, good to know. Yep. So if you want to do it that way, you can. But we're gonna post all the links for the Netflix on here as well. Um, again, it's a if you want to do a trial version of Netflix, that would be the great best way to to view these here. Um, you can get the the 2009 on Crunchyroll, I believe. I don't know if the 2003 version is on Crunchyroll here, though. Um, and I know the Crunchyroll version won't have the dub version. It'll just have the uh, subbed version. So you okay. get to enjoy the Japanese voices. Okay. Again, why I think this property would work well in America because all the characters are the are, Amer are kind of English-American-ish sort, of, yeah. Western sort of characters. Yeah. Which, again, is really why I do think it works so well here in America when it did. Uh, but we're going to post all this up on our website at thenerdtutorialpodcast.com. Uh, you guys can follow us with the conversation as well. Let us know what Full Metal Alchemist stuff I got wrong because this is – I know about Full Metal Alchemist. I know a great deal about it. I've watched it several times. I am not a subject matter expert on it. Okay. So feel free to, um, feel free to chastise me for something I got wrong here or at all. Uh, but we continue the conversation at our, at our website uh, – our Facebook group, excuse me, at facebook.com forward slash nerdtutorialpodcast. 
And then if you got ideas for future topics or just want to see some of the topics we've covered before in the past, we are following, every, you can hit me up on Twitter on nerd underscore tutorial for any ideas or subjects you might have on there. Um, but until then, we hope you guys stay safe out there in these weird times. And we'll see you guys again next week. Bye.